Hello, happy Monday. It is Tracy and you guys are listening to another episode of 30 Flirty and Surviving. Thank you so much for being here. As a reminder, new episodes are out every Monday at 9 a.m. on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, and additional clips on YouTube. And you can follow along with everything on the show at 30 Flirty Surviving on Instagram. I am so excited to have my guest with me here today. She is such a breath of fresh air. She is this endless vessel of positivity on Instagram. If you guys have listened to my sister podcasters, Eat the Damn Cake, I'm sure you are familiar with her. If you have been to a Soul Cycle class or a class at the Tall Ships, you probably know who she is. She is an entrepreneur. She is a master instructor at Soul Cycle, and she is so much more. She is the one, the only Maddie Sacconi. Thank you so much. That was quite the intro. Oh, quite the intro. It was easy. It rolled right off the tongue. It rolled right. I was like, damn, all right, here I am. Here I am. She's like, I did not know I signed yeah, up for a like, holy. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, if you guys do not know who Maddie is, you can find her on Instagram at Mads Tads. Correct. It is Two D's on both ends. Yes. Two D's, Mads with two D's, Tad's with two D's. Yeah, M-A-D-D-Z-T-A-D-D-Z. It was like a nickname in high school and fun fact about me. So everybody says my last name differently. Like my dad says Ciccone. My mom says like Ciccone. I say Ciccone, but Madonna's oh, and last I said name. Ciccone, so. But like it doesn't, it's just kind of like whatever. It's like, however, it, I mean, everybody pronounces everything different Italian last names, but it's Madonna's last name. So every like... I guess the word I'm thinking of is iteration of like Mad Chaconi, Mads Chaconi, Chaconi, like any kind of way to get my last name and to get the handle on Instagram is impossible. So unless I like somehow become like the next Kim Kardashian or someone that can just like buy their handle back, <laughs> it's going to be Mads Tads forever. And wow. Ever, I didn't never knew. I never even have thought to inquire what Madonna's last name would I be. I know because she's just one word. Yeah. Who would ever <laughs> need more than that? She's just Madonna. Yeah. She doesn't need anything that else. Is fun fun fact yeah super fun fact okay well speaking of fun facts I always like to start off with a couple introductory questions to add on to the fun facting Mm -hmm. so Matt do you like Maddie do you like Madison Mads I love Madison or Mads I this this was like a whole thing with soul cycle gave me the name Maddie and it kind of stuck so like everybody calls me Maddie but I love Madison or Mads I love Madison so if you do like when someone literally is like and it's so funny because I call it like pre soul cycle and, and and soul cycle world but pre soul cycle all my friends from LA and school and Nashville and everywhere else I lived call me Madison and I, I'll never forget I was like walking down the street in LA when I was visiting a while back and someone was like Madison and I turned around and I was like say it again like, <laughs> like, like I just loved it so yeah I have a lot of different personas I guess perfect now, just from now on when people call just you like, Maddie from just don't on, respond yeah, like, that no. would be very hard Okay. So first things first, where are you born and raised? So I grew up in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. So not too far from here. So I was born in the East Coast. Okay. Where do you live right now? And I live in Back Bay in Boston. And very quickly, you were just naming off a couple different places. Where have you lived? So I'll give you like a quick Judy Bloom version. Um, I went to high school, East Greenwich High School, Rhode Island. I went to college at Belmont University in Nashville. I did a like a long, probably the longest 
almost the longest stint of my adult life in LA. I was there for like six years. And then I um, moved to Boston. SoulCycle moved me to Boston, which maybe we'll get into, maybe we won't, but that's how I landed back. So I did like a around the country. That's so funny. Yeah. And then I did a little summer session in New York for soul cycle training. So Jeez. I guess I should have asked you, where haven't you been? Where yeah. haven't you lived? That one might've been quicker. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And how old are you? 34. 34. I just turned 34, uh, September 13th. So well, happy belated girlfriend. Thanks. Here we go. And what is your relationship status? I got engaged. So I was Show actually that motherfucker off. Curly, so zoom funny. in Everybody, on that shit. So I know it's awkward. I'm so sorry. And I'm going to make thing, you though. uncomfortable. It was blinding. It's absolutely stunning. Thank you. So here's the thing. And I'm sure we'll get into this too. Scott and I have dated for uh, over five and a half years. Okay. And I feel like in Boston, that's super uncommon. I've literally said to him a million times, I'm like any other girl in Boston would have gave you an ultimatum after like a year and a half. So ladies, uh, stick it out and hang in there because then you can pick whatever you want when it comes to the time. Yeah, you earned that baby. Thank you. You earned it. (laughs) How did you guys meet? I actually yelled at him at SoulCycle at a SoulCycle class. So he grew up in Weston and went to Weston High School. And I guess like everybody goes out the night before Thanksgiving and his bar, I think the Western bar is Cleary's in back Bay. And he came to my soul cycle class. This is when I was brand new. I didn't even have like this thing called a Turkey burn. We have where it's a 90 minute ride. I got like one class on Thanksgiving as a brand new instructor. It was like at 11 AM. He came in and he was wearing a hood into like the third song and it said veil on it. And I screamed at him. I was like, veil, turn it up. And so like later on, he was like, I was so hungover. I had my hood up because I was trying to get a sweat in. I was emasculated. I was in this class of women and like you screamed at me. And he like, he tells the story so much better. But anyway, um, I, you know, never really saw him again. And then I ran into him at Juice Press. Like, this is such like a, like, I don't know, scene thing. to be. Yeah. And I called him the wrong name. I was like, hey, Sean. And he was like, my name's not Sean. And I was like, cool. And he was like, you want to go to dinner tomorrow night? I was like, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. That is a little aggressive, but I'll go to dinner with you Wednesday. And um, we actually came out to dinner in Seaport. We went to the Envoy Hotel. Oh, nice. And then we went to Empire. So that was like our first date. And that was... I don't know, many, 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 I guess it will be six years in February. I love this. So you emasculate him, you call him the wrong name, (laughs) and you reject his first date. Yeah, I was like, no. And that's how you get him, ladies. That's how you get him. I was like, that's, no, because you know when you go out on Valentine's Day and it's like prefix and everybody's like, it's just so awkward for everybody. And also it's made even more awkward by like the the people who are waiting on you. And then they're like, are they together? Is it like your dad? Like, I don't know. Like, it's like the wolves. Truly. Did you think that he was aware it was Valentine's Valentine's Day when he asked? No, I I feel like, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he just kind of like didn't even know what day it was. That's a good question for him. Yeah, we should we should circle back with that. Yeah, let's circle back with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> okay, okay. And then um, what is your zodiac sign? So s- September 13th. So you I am are a Virgo. Virgo. Yes. I am a Virgo. Yeah. Love that. Do you feel like you resonate with it? Do you care about astrology at all? I do. I actually just recently was gifted a like, like read all your things session. I have a really cool girl for that. If you are looking for someone, I know there's a bunch, but my sign is a, my sun sign is Virgo. Mm -hmm. My rising is a Sagittarius and my moon is a Libra. That's a good mix. Yeah. And then, um, what is, I think 
Venus is a Leo and my Mercury is an Aries. So my chart is all fire. That's what I learned. Like I couldn't be more fire. So I feel like I'm kind of a Virgo in some ways, but my rising Sag, I'm more like Sag, I think, than Virgo in a lot of ways. Yes. So I, well, I'm an Aries, so I have a um, favorite towards all things fire. Yeah, the fire um, and then the Leo. Yes. There were a lot of cool things. So. But I love, first of all, I love that you call it a read all your things session. Yeah, read all your things. She's like, I don't know what the words like, are. Like read your chart, your natal chart. Yeah. yeah like. Yes. <laughs> but also like that you actually have all of the, all of the things yeah. memorized. A lot of people are like, I can maybe tell you I'm a cancer and that's all I know. You I understand it all. can't tell you how many times. Oh, first of all, I didn't know the exact time of my birth and like the S I went on with my dad like to get my birth certificate first of all you like can't get your birth certificate I was like so freaking good luck you have to go through like this whole thing in Rhode Island I'm like why can't I just walk in and like get or call someone and be like hey when was I born like you can't look that up okay I swear this happened to me a couple years ago I went to get my birth chart read and my birth certificate it doesn't have the time Mm -hmm. on it you just had that little card doesn't have the time on it so you have have that you have to get like your legit like paper who has that no one. So I swear the girl that I called at like the city hall or whatever, yeah. she she was she could hang. Like she oh. can, she can get down because I called her and I was like, "How do I get my paper birth certificate?" And she's like, "What do you need this for?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know, I at first I didn't want to tell her. I was like so embarrassed. I'm like, "Oh, you know, just making sure in case of anything I have all the proper document." I was going on this like rabbit hole and she was like, "Oh, well, honey, like that's going to take like 3 months." You know, for us to find it, to print it, to whatever. And I was like, listen, I just got to level with you. I'm actually going to get my my birth chart read on Saturday. I really only need to know what time I was born. Can you tell me? And she was like, girl, you should have just started with that. Like, yeah, it was 9.07 a.m. She like got it. And she was like, yeah, here you go. I can just tell you over the phone. So thank God for her because otherwise I would have been waiting three months for this whole thing. It was a, it was a yeah, fiasco. You got a, you got a cool person because I straight up just went for it because I have no filter, no governor on my mouth. I was like, listen, I'm going to get my shit read. I need to know what time they were born. And they were like, good luck, sis. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I was like, mom. dad, you get in the basement and you go through all those freaking boxes. I didn't say it like that. My dad and I are besties. But um, I was like, dad, I need this. Like I hounded him for days. And I was like really mad at my mom. I was like, how? Not like really mad, but I was like, how do you not remember? Like, I feel like you would remember the time, but maybe I not. Know. Like, I'm like, you have two kids. TBD how on that. hard TBD is it to that. remember? How hard? But she guessed 906. So in in her defense, she was very close. Oh, that would have been, I think it would have been like pretty. It close. probably would have been accurate, but I was like, can you imagine mom if I went in and told her it was 906? How different my reading would have been? My mom was like, you need to settle like, down. Settle down. Yeah. Okay, my last fun question before we start getting into the okay. juicy stuff is, if you had a death row meal, like your last <laughs> meal on earth, me and my friend Ariel, who I've had on the show before, do this all the time. You get to pick a beverage, an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. Holy What would shit. your death row meal be? Ugh. Okay. It's a lot of pressure. A drink? Yeah, a drink. Start there. Okay, a drink. If you say water with lemon, I'll literally... No, 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 no. I was, I was like between like a Dunkin' coffee and like Mm -hmm. a espresso martini or like some kind of like alcoholic drink that would really just get you there. (laughs) Appetizer. Okay. So this was actually like my death row meal and it's because I don't eat dairy or I try not to eat dairy at all because I had such bad skin at some point. Um, but literally I would get Buffalo burrata with like prosciutto and like all that shit. 
And then um, like an entree. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically at Trattoria, I would just go there now. Like gnocchi with like a bunch of other shit in it. Probably like a bolognese sauce on the side. And then dessert. Okay. I'm obsessed. I'd probably get... um, I would probably get ice cream, like soft serve uh, coffee ice cream with rainbow sprinkles. That's solid. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was for. I'm for also starving. Spot. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you hungry? Are you all right? <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, just like whatever. If you hear um, any background noise, yeah, it's, it's just me. her stomach it's actually me. Um, yeah, that would probably be my meal. I love that. Okay, that that's a very well balanced meal. Yeah. Very and you know what you don't have to worry about the the stomach issues afterwards. Yeah, like because yeah. you're gonna be dead. You don't have to worry about checking your pants because you're dead. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Sounds great. Like I, I would choose one or the yeah. other. <laughs> whoever whoever knocks you out, they can clean up the mess. Good luck, sir. <laughs> okay, so let's do like I'm thinking like the hills. Let's go back back to the beginning. Good. Give the people. A little, a little background about you. You, I, we were alluding to it. You have your own podcast. You're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur now. You have your own stuff going on. But this is not. This wasn't the OG plan. We, we did a lot of things to yeah. get here. So maybe start with college in Nashville. When you went to school, what was your major? What were what you planning for your life at that point in time? Love it. So I went to school. I went to Belmont University and I studied. Um, entertainment industry studies with a minor in music business. So basically I wanted to work in the music industry. And when I was in college was kind of like when the whole like facelift happened with like Napster, LimeWire, the whole business changed. So like if you were to ask me when I was younger what I wanted to do, I probably wanted to like work at Capitol Records or work at a label or be an A&R. Actually, what I really wanted to do was be the assistant. This is so specific and I don't even know how I'm thinking of this off the cup. Alexandra Potsavis was worked at Chop Shop Music and she was the A&R for like the OC and all the best shows on the CW, like picked the music that went with the shows. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever because it just is so epic. And I'm still so obsessed. Like every time I'm watching a show, I Shazam it the whole time. Like if you're watching a show with me, I'm going to Shazam music the whole time. The entire time I'm going to Shazam music. That is such an underrated job too, because how many songs do you think of to this day that remind you of that like scene when, you know, that couple broke up Oh my gosh, like not to spoil it. Together, the kiss in the rain. Like I'm thinking Seth and Summer, the Spider-Man kiss. Like, you know. Dice with like, when she, Marissa, I can think basically every song from the OC, Dice, like when they run in and it's midnight and it's like nothing can compare um and they like make out and you're like oh my god i love ryan um yeah no it's and i think of that in like the vampire diaries and all these like shows i watch like every song it's the coolest job i think i was such a cool job yeah so that's what i wanted to do and then i don't know i i actually had the opportunity we have this thing at belmont called belmont east belmont west being from rhode island i wasn't really excited to go to new york so i was like Mm -hmm. let's go to la i just had my dead set heart on la i was like la 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 it is So I got an internship with Ellen DeGeneres at the time. So that's kind of what drove me out to LA. And then after being in LA, I was like, I can't go back. Like what? So I went back, graduated, then went back out to LA. I worked a million different jobs. I was like a PA, an EA. I worked for different CEOs and did C-suite level stuff and then worked in digital marketing and advertising at some different companies and basically like ran that gauntlet for a long time until um, I got let go from my last um, one of my last marketing agency type jobs and 
I was like, okay, like clearly this isn't working. I'd been in LA for about five years. I was like, okay, I'm like kind of getting over it. I'm yeah. kind of like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I kind of had that like, bottom out bathroom floor moment as I call it. And um, one of my girlfriends was like, you should work in fitness. Like you literally go to the gym before a 12 hour shift or whatever the hell you work at your horrifying job. And then sometimes you go back after. Um, so I knew that boutique fitness was blowing up and specifically I was like, if I'm going to work anywhere, I'm going to work at soul cycle. I had worked the front desk at Equinox and WeHo like along the way at uh -huh. some point. So I was already kind of like in with the crowd there. So after like a series of a bunch of interviews, not getting the job shadowing one day, like getting turned down and then like going back in, I eventually became a studio manager in West Hollywood, California for soul cycle. And I was there for about seven or eight months and was riding for everybody. We have this, like riding their podium, doing all the things. And then people were like, you should do it. You should do it. You should be an instructor. And it was never my plan. I was like, I'm going to be in marketing. And somehow this job is going to get me back to New York and I'll be close to my family and everything's going to work yeah. out perfectly. You know, like that was really like the scope. And so I really had no intention of being an instructor until I started riding podium for everybody and really heard the knock. And the knock is something I've kind of coined of like when somebody says something over and over again in your life and you just have to open yourself up and be like, okay, is this actually the path? Because everybody's basically telling me. And it's like, That's you have so that cool. moment of like, okay, am I actually going to listen? So I auditioned, I made it through the audition. I went to New York for the summer, did the whole training. And then at the end of training, they were like, we can either put you in Boston, Houston, or Philly. And I chose Boston because I was like the lesser of evils, at least if yeah. my car breaks down, my dad's like an hour away. Because totally. I can't tell you how many times like shit would happen in California. And I'd call him and he's like, actually, this is not productive because you're on the 405 and I can't help you. And I was like, lit. I have been um, there. Yeah. So that's kind of like the Judy Bloom version of what brought me back here. And now I love how you, you have all these little phrases. Yeah. Here's I have like Maddieisms. Yes. Even though like we're not going, we don't want to go by it, but like Maddieisms. It just sounds better. You know, um, it yeah, does. That sounds it better. Does roll off the we'll, we'll leave that as mm -hmm. that. But um, how? Yeah. Okay, I love this. What was that like for you though, when you had been chasing a certain dream for so long, and then had to almost put it to bed, or at mm. least put it on the back burner? Was that a hard realization for you? I think that it evolved so much that it was never like a moment of like, holy shit, my dream is over. I mm -hmm. never had like a door slammed on my face or like a hard cutoff of something. It's like, I was just so hell bent on like making it in Hollywood, yeah. whatever the fuck that meant. I was willing to do anything. Like I bartended events. I was like a Patron girl on the side. I worked at Kitson. Like I did everything you and anything. To. Like. And then I worked at a bunch of temp agencies. Like I was getting put on desks of like the SVP of Lionsgate, Bain & Company, like, and I would get on all these desks. One of the last jobs I got tempted on was I worked on at Nigel Lithgow Productions with the most amazing woman ever. She was the president of that company at the time. And she was so kind. And like, that was the last thing before I got the big placement with XIX Entertainment, which is a company I worked for a long time ago. And then it just kind of kept evolving. It wasn't like, oh, well now I'm an EA and I'm doing whatever. It was like, it just evolved. I never had that breakdown moment, except I think for when I got let go in from the ad agency and I was like in the parking lot. And I always mentioned like really having like a good cry. And I had like a little white Jetta at the time. And I, every bad amount always is like me calling me dad, my dad, like d deserves awards and awards and awards. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, you're going to figure it out. You've never not figured it out. It's not like you're going to starve. You're not going to mm -hmm. be homeless. Like you are going to figure it out. 
And that's kind of when I started to really try to be like, okay, like what, what do we do next? And it it was, it's scary in the sense of like, I took a massive, massive pay cut to go work at SoulCycle. People thought I was crazy. Like you're spraying shoes, like you're running a fitness studio, like disgusting. And I just think it's so interesting, like just the way people act sometimes and how people aren't going to understand how the dream evolves or what it looks like. And that there, I really truly believe that there's a divine purpose beyond it. Yes. So, okay. I want to ask you more about that later. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was Table going, that. yeah, put Table that, that one on pause for just so, a second. I don't feel like I ever had a bottom out moment where I was like, fuck, my dream didn't work out. Yeah. I don't really feel like I had that. I think I was di- more disappointed. Like I, I took like an ego of like, Oh, like just nothing's working out. Like, are well, you? In- I think that people who are maybe a little bit more timid or less likely to take mm-hmm. risks, kind of look down on it because they're not willing to do it. They're a little bit scared, and so part of like that, it almost like triggers or ignites this this feeling within them mm. of like. I could never do that. So why does she think she can? And they feel like they have to almost compete with it rather than allowing your journeys to be parallel. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with playing it safe if that feels right to you. And there's nothing wrong with taking a risk if that feels right to you. But I think that there's a lot of um, people who maybe don't have the support or feel like they don't have that financial freedom to take a risk or whatever it is that's like their obstacle in their way, Mm. um, which make it difficult. And so it's like a little like poo poo, like, or I can't believe like you're going to go do this because doesn't yeah. this seem so solid right here? Does like, doesn't this feel like it's yeah. what you should be doing? How could you just wake up and think like, oh, go try this, go do something different. Like that's yeah. so crazy. People can't wrap their minds around it. I got that a lot when I moved to LA. I did the same thing. I worked at Mass General. I made really good money for first, like freshman year at our first year out of college. Yeah. And when I decided I was going to go be a receptionist in LA, people were like, what the fuck Wait, is where wrong did you with work? you? I lived in Sherman Oaks. It was an entertainment, like business management group. Oh, okay. Um, and I enjoyed it. Mm. It was a lot to do with, um, the founder of the CEO of the company. She was from South Africa oh, cool. and she, um, worked with people that were like cinematographers Got and it. directors that were, um, needed sponsorship. Yeah. And we helped like manage their books and, um, stuff like that for them, which I enjoyed because I too, was like, I want to, you know, see what the entertainment industry is like. Yeah, totally. Same thing, digital marketing. Um, but I, I, people were like, they could not understand it. And I was like, let me do me. If I fail and fall and I fall flat on my ass, that's on me. Why does it affect you? Why does it bother you that I'm doing this? And I think people just couldn't understand it. But to your point, like my dad always said, if you home's always going to be here, if you hate it, home's always going to be here. My family always like just wanted me to at least not have that coulda, shoulda, woulda or what if in the back of my mind. And I'm very fortunate for that. But not everybody gets that, you know? Yeah, Uh, that is facts for sure. Because I... Well, there are so many things that tug up my heart when people are like, how do you feel about LA? I'm like, I love LA. Like it's Mm. like walking here tonight when it was like disgusting and freezing out. I literally said out loud to nobody in particular (laughs) on the street. I was like, this is not the fucking vibe. And um, (laughs) and, like, literally it's just not the vibe. Um, I can say for certain I have no regrets. Like there were so many times and like the twists and turns in LA were so gnarly. And I got myself in a lot of trouble out there and did a lot of stupid shit. Yes. But like- do I have regrets? Not really. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. I would. Do I, I wish it? I could have learned some lessons differently? Hell yeah. But <laughs> same, same, same. Yeah. Um, but I love that you were very transparent about not everything was a shoe in. You had to work really fucking hard. Yeah. And being let go and being told no is totally such sucks. a crucial part of your story. And I think not enough people like the. The one job I got let go from was a, um, it was a digital marketing, digital advertising agency. And we work with a lot of different clients, Netflix, like some really big accounts. It was like, I got hired kind of like for the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And then I got kind of thrown into this quasi role of like part finance, part HR, part whatever. And I was like, I'm a high level EA. Like this is not like what I thought the role was. And like at the time, it's like, I just didn't know enough to just be like, this isn't, this isn't working. This isn't a good fit. I kept like trying to make it work like square peg round hole because you're young and you're like trying so hard to be this thing. And I remember I got called in at 6 PM on a Monday and I was like, that can't be fucking good. And, um, I got let go, um, from that job. And that was one where I walked back to my desk. My desk was like locked down. I got like paraded out of the office because it was so under wraps with like, and like to me, it's like, I'm just not the kind of person that would think like, oh, let me go get these like secretive files and like fuck shit up for this company. But I guess like people do that. So it's just weird in the sense of like, you get paraded out. You don't keep any of your contacts. You can't say bye to anybody. It's kind of like fucked up. And nobody talks about those type of moments or we're like, okay, like, how no one asks you how you are. Nobody asks if you're okay. Like nobody gives a fuck about you. And you, that moment in your car alone, it was like such a visceral cry. I call it like the Kim Kardashian, like ugly cry. Cause I remember <laughs> just being so broken with like, Oh, like that's, that was such a gutted feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't showcase their failures, whether it makes them uncomfortable or they're they don't want to, but I think when we showcase things like that and we talk about things like that, it makes it acceptable when you have moments like that because it yes. gives people the wherewithal to be like, okay, I know I can keep going from here, yeah. even though the sock is like, now, like I'm in it right, right. now. Right, I think it's just a stepping stone along the way rather than feeling like it has to be this ultra defining moment. And maybe it is for, for positive reasons too, but yeah. like it's also... I saw, you know, this thing the other day and this woman was like, well, what if I told you that you need to go through 20 no's until you get that one yes? And you would start looking at those no's or those sorries or Mm. hey, not right now as a positive rather than a negative. But because we don't know exactly how many it's going to take, it's so hard for us to get there. But like we need to stop being ashamed of those no's Mm. and feeling like it's the end of the world each time they come. they're there for a reason and they're part of the process for a very specific cause and like it's okay it's okay yeah I agree with that yeah going back to to like LA and stuff like when I had gone my dad had said to me don't do well (laughs) that was his email he he wrote me this email and it was like the sweetest thing in the entire world the subject line of the email was don't do well yeah. And he then the entire body of email, like, oh, my God, I could cry just thinking about it. But he was like, don't do well, because what is well? OK, you yeah. make enough money to survive. You're happy. You do OK. You're you're feeling all right. Yeah. But like, are you really doing what you're meant to do? Are you really going above and beyond? Do you feel fulfilled if you're just doing well? Like if you're, if you're doing well, maybe you'll come back, you know, for Christmases, but you'll be working the grind and doing your thing. He's like, I, if you're going to go out there, like you better do 
better than well. Yeah. Like I want, and I was like, dad, could you have started the email like, with uh, that first? Like, please. Like, he was like, you know, like get to a point where like you feel fulfilled in all categories yeah. of your life. And that's not going to happen overnight, but make that your goal. Don't just go there. He's like, don't worry about the people that are like, Ugh, why'd she do it? Like, so you can come back and be like, Oh no, I'm doing really well. Everything's great. Yeah. Forget about all of that. Go out there and figure out why it is you felt the need to go out there and run with it and soar. And if it's not for you, that's okay. But if it is, then show yourself, not anybody else, why you went. And yeah. by continuing to like move forward as best as you can. And again, like bringing it back is just not everybody has that. Like, I don't think that if I didn't have the support of my family, I would have been able to go. Yeah. And it breaks my heart for some people that they can't always just like go for it anyway, you know? I think that that feeling, uh, one, a support system is huge, but I think being able, it's having the confidence to stand on your own two feet. And mm -hmm. I, I obviously coach a lot in confidence and it really, I think it is ignited by the feeling of being so fucking fed up with yourself yeah. of not putting yourself out there or like not trying or not doing the thing. You get to a point where the levy breaks and that's where you actually stand up on your own two feet and you're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. You have yeah. that like no turning back moment, the bridges are burned, whatever. But I think to get to that moment, it takes so much that I don't know. I, I hope to God everybody has that moment mm -hmm. where they like choose themselves and they can stand on their own two feet confidently. But I do, I do, I don't know. Yeah. Cause at, at some point you have to be able to like prove it to yourself and, yeah. and want to be able to show regardless of financial stability, a support system, family, friends, whatever it may be at the end of the day, it's you and you. Yeah. And you've got to know when push comes to shove, when you have nothing else left, who are you when, you know, shit hits the fan. Yeah. And I think it's it's about figuring that part out too. And it's, it's huge for your identity and mm -hmm. figuring out how you handle things, how you process things, how you look at things and getting out of your bubble too, especially New England. It's just such a very small. Yeah shell and it's nice to go and try something new yeah. but it's what's funny I think about your journey in particular is you kept going after this specific industry that interested you mm -hmm. while all along you had this passion that you never really thought about putting into a career you were going to the gym you were always yeah. into your your um fitness journey and that was always something that was important to you but the it just never clicked until in the way. enough people had said something to you yeah now do you have that like realization of oh my gosh of course it was here all along or do you feel like i, I don't know if, if, if people had told me i've like if people it wasn't for other people i may not have ever done this do you like, do you think you would have come to the realization on yeah, your Yeah, I think I probably would have. It's just like how many times you have to like hit your head against the wall before you do it. But one thing I do look back on is in that last, like that last job I had that was like the, um, the, oh, what was it? The ad agency job. Yeah. I actually, it's like I was still chasing the passions outside. I just didn't really consider it like it was kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Cause yeah. at the time I was taking a yoga certification that was like a 300 hour or something like that. So I would work all day and then Thursday and Friday, I would go to yoga from like five to 10 o'clock at night. And then I was there on Saturday what? and Sunday all weekend from like eight in the morning till like, you know, three or four or five. 
at night and was like to put in these hours for this certification. So I was working like literally 60 to whatever plus hour work week. I don't even remember because just some nights I remember being there till like almost midnight, like doing God knows what. And just putting in these crazy hours and then taking every spare moment of time outside of that mm. to then go chase the thing that I really hadn't, it hadn't connected yet. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna get my license so that I can like go teach yoga. So now cut all this to Wicked Fearless. Wicked Fearless. So basically Wicked Fearless was born out of the pandemic, you right. know? Never in my wildest dreams could I imagine I'd wake up one day and just soul cycle wouldn't exist. You know, you're trace I was chasing down the carrot of being the best there for so long and wanting to climb that ladder and prove myself there. And I kind of did that. Like 2019 was like a glory year for me. I got to go to Palm Beach. I went to like the vineyard. I got senior instructor. I got master instructor. It was like the best year of my life, highest of highs. Started my own podcast, which was called Mad Stats Beyond the Bike at the time. November, 2019, fast forward, you know, March 15th, 16th, I wake up, they're like, you're not coming to work today. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. and so it was really came from, okay, like I do all this stuff in the room. I have all these nuggets. I coach these people day in and day out, hundreds of people a day. Mm -hmm. There's more to this. There's more to just the movement on the bike. So we could feel this was really, I was like, okay, I had wanted, been wanting to develop a coaching program. I had enrolled myself in a coaching program to kind of like help coaches in the fitness space create programs like this. And so I just, I did it. I like held my feet to the flame in the sense of like, I didn't even build it out. I just started marketing it yeah. like blindly, blindly marketing it. And I had 10 girls sign up for my first program. And then every week I would show up, I'd film more videos. It was like, I had to, I had to get it done because I had people that bought in to me and the program. That's so, the one way to freaking do it, girl. That's the only way to do it. Because if you think I'm going to sit around and I'm going to create this, I'm going to film all the videos, I'm going to do everything before. Same thing with fucking podcasts. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Just engage. Because if you, it's almost like when you sell it before you even create it, you have to fucking create it. Right. There is no out. Unless you want to be like, sorry, I have to give everybody their money back. Yeah. So that was the way I was taught how to do it because, and I'll hear so many people be like, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. My programs and my podcast, even now, like you can change everything. One of my favorite, favorite quotes, and I always say this, and I really hope Lin Lindsay Simsick of half of the Almost 30 podcast, who I knew through SoulCycle a long time ago. She said, you don't owe anybody continuity. You just owe consistency. I don't know if that's like her original saying, but to me, that's epic because it's like, just start. You can change it. You can change the color. You can change literally everything. Yeah. You can change literally right. everything. As long as you're showing up. If you're showing up and you're serving and you're giving the product and like you are the product, the energy, like all that, it's going to figure itself out. I love that. So for people who maybe aren't aware, Wicked Fearless is your eight week. Yeah. I'm actually changing it to, I'm actually like re giving it like You're, a facelift right now. Okay. Well then tell me, tell people what to expect from it. Okay. So in 2023, holy shit. Um, the Ooh. first round I'm going to do like launching into the new year as like new, I was like, like new year, new me type of thing. <laughs> but honestly, yeah. Um, I'm going to do a 12 week program. 12 weeks. So, okay, and cool. right now I did an accelerator. So I offered anybody who went through Wicked Fearless to do like a deep dive with me. So I have 14 girls right now that have already been through Wicked Fearless. It's kind of like 
like the foundation of yeah. all the things. And then this one's building upon that. So cool. taking it deeper, taping, taking everything, just expanding on and all of the things. And you talk a lot about manifestation, finding your purpose and your passion. Yeah. Like what can people expect from, a, a, from this 12 week course? So honestly, I, I have such a challenging time giving it, you know, like I'm always, it's not like I'm, you know, like Brene Brown, I'm not jealous. I'm envious of the people that can just show up and be like, this is what I do. And they have this like kitschy little tagline or this superpower statement, but it's challenging for me because I feel like it's an all encompassing program where we talk about how to show up and be confident. We talk about how to overcome your fears. We talk about putting in daily practices that are going to help you when you get in those ruts or those grind seasons where you want to quit or you want to be like, fuck this. I don't yeah. want to do it anymore. We talk a lot about relationships and how those play into your thing. Like we literally talk, I just consider it this well-rounded program where you leave feeling more purposeful. You feel like you have a little bit of a roadmap to where you want to go next and, or you have the tools to get you back on the path of where you want to go. It's like kind of like an all encompassing foundation of like, this is where you start. And why wicked fearless? Like what does being wicked fearless mean to you? So I, wicked kind of was birthed out of, I, had I had named it Tribe Fearless and it was at a time where people were like really not cool with tribe, even though mm. I've just always, I don't know if it's like yoga. I don't even know if that's like appropriate. I've always just felt connected to that because it's just like your close knit community. It's like chosen family. It's like the people you wish you were your blood, but aren't. So that was, I, I branded the whole thing. This is a great example. Branded the whole fucking thing, gorgeous worked so hard on it. Right. Like we're obsessed Pre with it. Presented it, presented it. And one girl in my group like raised her hand and was like, you can't say that. Wow. And I was like, well, fuck, here's a lesson. Like, okay. So I was like, okay, what other word would be like cool? And to me, I was like, all right, well, Boston's always going to have a piece of me mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And I was like, how about wicked fearless? Like wicked, like wicked fearless, wicked. like wicked. Like, you know, you're, you know what I mean? When you're in, you're walking around your room, like wicked fearless, like, yeah, like cool, awesome. Like something, yes. you know? And so that's just what it was. And you know what? I don't even know if that's what it will be in a few years. It I have no be. fucking clue. Might not be. But right now that's like what's stuck into me, wicked fearless. Um, it's just showing up. You're always gonna, it's like feel the fear, the feel. <laughs> feel the fear and do it anyway. So I think when it comes to being fearless, people get that confused with the fact that the fear doesn't exist within you, but it's actually being able to stand up to it. I've been talking about this for a few weeks. I call it sport mode because biologically your brain is like wired to keep you safe. And right now you and I walking down the street, I don't really feel that much danger in my mm -hmm. daily life. And it's great that we have that biologically because when we have to run or fight or whatever, God willing, thank God, hopefully, like, you know, that never happens, but it's there. Right. So when we do these things that scare us, we have to kind of like override the programming of like the archaic brain running from the saber tooth tiger or whatever the fuck it was, <laughs> you know, scarcity mode, like fight, flight all right, the time. Right. Like, and it's overriding that to like, no, if I'm gonna go to that next version or level up here, I actually have to kind of like hotwire and override the programming in my mm -hmm. brain and like power up. And I call right. that like, 
I call that sport mode. Use I don't, it. I don't, don't know. just yeah. try to brush it under the rug yeah, and so, like conquer it. Like work with that fear. Yeah. So I've been, I I actually did like a little mini episode about this or I might have did a whole one. I don't even remember. But I could talk about it a lot in, in soul class because it's like, you know, sport mode. Like I think of that reel that's like, I'm in sport mode <laughs> of like you have to, it's like that next gear. It's like telling your fear to sit in the back seat and I'm in the driver's seat and like this is where we're going today. So that's kind of a way of explaining it. I love that. It's not like a one word kitschy answer. I wish I had this like, no, but I don't. But I also (laughs) think it speaks to how um, individualized and and curated it is. And, you know, what I get from it may not be the same as totally different girls get from it. Right. Like I'm going to have a totally different outcome because it's about me as a person, not just like, hey, everybody, here's your arbitrary decks and presentations that I put together. And like, you go, girl, now give me. $400.99. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's not like that. It is really working together with individuals, which I think is what's so special about it. Yeah. And every group is very, very different where there's different Mm -hmm. themes or different things that come up. And the the coolest thing is seeing people. I'm like, your shit's not going to happen in these 12 weeks. It's like for you to take and then go do. And the coolest thing, like the coolest, coolest, coolest thing is to see the people a year out, two years out, we're going to start to get into like three years out that like moved to New York and got the dream job and are working like in Manhattan at like the biggest retail store, blah, blah, blah. Or like the people that graduated college and then went and got the job and then like moved to the big city or broke up with that guy or like stood up to themselves or Mm -hmm. did the thing or left their job and did another thing. Like it was really cool. Like we were on a call the other night and like almost every person on the call raised their hand. Like I left my job and I did the other thing I wanted to do. And I was like, Fuck yeah, this is it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's And cool. I love that you're not giving false promises here. It's not like after 12 weeks, you will have completed. No, it the, takes time. Because again, to your point, it may not be until that next relationship comes around, till that next you know job scenario comes around. So it's just, hey, after 12 weeks, you'll have the tools. Or like, hey, like we'll have really been able to break through into like the core of either what this maybe fear is or this issue is or this you know desire that you have is we'll be able to identify these things and lay them out but we don't know when we're going to be able to put it into action when it's all going to come into come to life you know yeah that's a cool way of putting it actually I like that yeah my other thing to you is kind of like going along with this is I think a very general theme for this age group Mm -hmm. um this time that we're in is sort of what is my purpose yeah i think so many girls especially but guys too i'm sure (laughs) but you know maybe like we've been through it it's like okay i i have the job i have the roof over my head i have and i'm happy but is this enough and and we it's we're damned if we do we damned if we don't when we're struggling we're always trying to get to that place where we feel comfortable we can breathe and then we get to that point and it's like but am I fulfilled? Am I happy? Do I need to be doing more? And I think we've all gotten to this point where we know it's beyond having your nine to five and having, you know, the money in your bank account and the the roof over your head. You want more than that. Yeah. And when people say, well, am I supposed to have a purpose in life? What, (sighs) What are your thoughts when you get asked that question or when you hear people talk about that? It is it's such a, I could go in like 80 different directions. (laughs) Okay. Like, fuck. Um, Okay. So I oftentimes think that people kind of get like, oh, I need to have a passion 
my passion needs to be everything confused with like your purpose and like it, it can be kind of like it gets a little like gray mm-hmm. but i think that whatever you're doing has to serve a higher purpose so you know, I talk a lot about what's your why. That's a huge part of Wicked Fearless. It's a huge part of everything I do, defining your why. I literally just did a post about this because, you know, I was saying you can have the dream job. You can get it. You can have, and people look at me all the time like, holy shit, you have the best job in the world. I'm like, do I? Right. So I think your why has to be so ingrained in what you're doing that I, and I said this and I will attest to it. I can almost like pull it up on my phone, but like, your why should be intrinsic and deep and like ugh, enough that it gets you through the bad times and the bad days. Cause anybody can have a surface level why of like, I love to help people, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. like on the, and that will work on the high highs. And like when you're standing on the podium, getting the awards or the accolades and all the things like a surface level why will get you there. But a deeper one will really keep you there. And when you're in the grind season or you're in the thick of it, or, I mean, I allude to when I taught outside at SoulCycle is the gnar- one of the gnarliest things I've ever done. It was crazy. And I just kept saying, like, I am these people's lifeline. Like, I am showing up to serve today. Like, this is bigger than me. Like, yeah, it sucks for me right now. It literally fucking sucks. Like, I remember wanting to, like, wanting to quit every single day. And I was just like, but if I quit, like, it was this thing of, like, if I quit, then who's going to take care of my people. Like I couldn't just crap out on my community that I had taken years to build just because it got, and it's not, it wasn't even a little hard. It was Mm -hmm. gnarly, like gnarly. So I think you got to have something like that to lasso yourself to or tether yourself to. Otherwise it's like, otherwise it's like whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there's different, I don't think some people will ever get there. And that's fine too, because we need all different people in this world. Mm-hmm. But if it, if you're like really struggling with like, I don't have a purpose. I don't know what like I'm passionate about, blah, blah, blah. I would say start figuring out what your, what your no's are because your no's are going to lead you to your jumbo. Yes. They're kind of like bumpers when you go to play, like go to play, go bowling, you know, it keeps you within. Okay. Well, hell no, I won't do that. Yeah. I definitely won't. I'm going to do that. <laughs> But so do you think it's fair to say like <coughs> your purpose doesn't need to be something that is is groundbreaking, earth shattering, like on this enormous level? You don't have to be doing this like not that even the smallest things can't be profound, but it's like you don't have to be doing this like tremendous thing every single day to say, OK, you're living at your purpose. Some people's purpose could be a parent. Some people's. Could yeah, be, that's like, huge. Like I think that. It, it can be however small or quote unquote big as feels right to you. It doesn't have to be something that's breaking the mold. Yeah. And I also think we just overthink everything. Overthinking. Everything, everything. Like even when we were talking before this, like it's, it's sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just overthought out and you're constantly in comparison of what other people are doing or how it looks to other people Mm. and like all that stuff. And then sometimes it has to be something inside of you. And and then that will kind of determine how things play out. How do you keep yourself in check when you find yourself in moments of potentially spiraling to some like self-hate talk or feeling discouraged mm. or down on yourself? I had one this morning, like, and I talked to, I actually did a pep talk. So I talked this today about uh, splitting your day into quarters. I love that. Yeah. Because I like had like 
I just had such a bad morning. Like it just felt like I was just off and you know, like everything just felt trying is the word I used all morning. Like, and then I went to Equinox to cross train because I'm like always injured for this job I do that people think is the dream job. And like, I was just like so annoyed and I went to like be polite and like move a rack or do, you know, pick it up after myself. And I like slammed this thing into my foot and like flipped up my toenail. I was like bleeding through my fucking shoes and I'm like leaving the gym and I'm just like sobbing and I'm just like on a total spiral. And you're like, like, that's what I get for fucking trying to do something nice. And like sometimes like, I mean, sometimes like today at like 2.15, I was like, you know what? You just need to nap. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I get that. I get the privilege to do that because of what I do. But I was like, you need like a reboot. I call a nap like a reboot. Like when you're too overwhelmed, when it's too fucking crazy, you're like reboot. It's kind of like when you get the wheel of death on your computer and you're just like, nope, mm. reboot. But that can look like a lot of different things for me. Um, sometimes it's a book pull. Sometimes it's going to a class. Sometimes it's going on a walk. Sometimes it's lunch with, lunch with a friend. It's kind of very all over the place. I mean, I start every day with a gratitude practice. So hopefully that will ground me on most days. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to let yourself go there. I think like you can have yeah. your little pity party back to what I was saying about the four quarters thing. Um, and then I try my hardest. Okay. Like that really sucked this morning. Don't let that dribble over into Q2. For me, it was like Q1, Q2, maybe a little Q3 into my nap. And then I was like, I'm going to get up. I I was like, let's go do this. Let's go do this podcast. Like, here we go. Like, let's do it. And yeah, you just got to put yourself there one foot in front of the other. And you got to give yourself the sliding scale. I listened to this super, super, super cool meditation because I listen to the Calm app all the time. I really wish they would just sponsor me because I'm like their biggest fan. I'm like obsessed. So I love Jay Shetty. Is like one of my favorites. His book, Think Like a Monk, is awesome if you haven't read it. And he had something talking about wiggle room. Like when they build spaceships, they have to make things have wiggle room. Otherwise, like it'll like blow up or whatever when it goes like through the atmosphere. And I was like, that is so cool because we hold ourselves to like such a high standard. And like we try to like white knuckle through life so hard sometimes. And it makes it either miserable or we're like, oh, and and that's I think that's like in that wiggle room of like, okay, well, sometimes it's not going to feel great or give yourself a little bit of room to like feel the fear. fear. Why am I having a hard time? with It's the alliteration on that one. Feel the feels. And then, okay, how can I feel a little bit better? I think a lot of times we want to go from a two to a 10 when it's like today might look like I'm at a two. I'm like in the shit dumpster and I'm going to go to a six. But we have this very polarizing view of like, I have to be fucking awesome or I'm like shit last. Yeah, not giving ourselves enough grace and always striving for perfection. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Like I struggle with that so much because I'm like, I call it like this D1 spirit. Mm -hmm. It's like ingrained in in the fiber of my being to win (laughs) since I like did anything. So then sometimes you have to be like, well, shit, 75% is okay today. Yeah, exactly. And Which I is like hard. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate where I feel like you don't, when you speak things, you speak them into existence. So yeah. I don't think you want to go down a rabbit hole of constantly like shitting on yourself and saying all these no. negative things. However, I think it's really okay to also be like, hey, you freaking drop the ball on that one. You messed that one up, but you learn from it. You know what you did and we're not going to dwell on it. Yeah, we're not best. like, you got to be able to like admit the fault and then just move the fuck on. Like we don't need to sit there and just continuously criticize ourselves and go on and on and on about it. But you can be real with yourself and be like, Hey, how could I have done that better? Or like how you knew better? Why did you do that? 
and then just acknowledge it and let it go. Because if you don't, then you hang on to it, and then that's what seeps into your brain the mm. next time it comes along. Because if you don't properly like address it and deal with it, you go to do that same thing next time, and you have that fear, like you yeah. said, and that comes up again, and you're like, oh shoot, I'm gonna mess this up. It becomes a well, pattern. If you just freaking dealt with it and squashed it, it would be over with. Totally. You know? My dad gave me the advice of like, don't ask the why questions. Like the why gets you to like the woe is me. Like, why is this happening to me? Why yes. would I ask the what questions or the how? Or like, because it's like, what can I do next time? Like I say all the time to myself in my head when something doesn't go quite my way, like what did I learn from this? Exactly. It's like I can hear this little voice, like even like like very stupid things. Like when I went, I went to a baby shower in Nashville this weekend. And when I got to the airport, like I, I had, I'm very much about my routine. Like I have my morning routine. It literally looks like I always allude it to the the scene in Casper where he like creates that thing where it like brushes your (laughs) teeth and does all the shit for you. Like that is my morning routine. And I didn't go out and get, I literally eat every morning. I eat a piece of cinnamon raisin toast with peanut butter and bananas on it. That is my thing. It's the only thing that doesn't fuck with my stomach. Like that is what I eat every damn morning. And I didn't go get the bread. And like my whole morning at the airport, I I literally shit you not. I got like, I tried to get three different types of food to try to like feed myself before I got on this flight. And like nothing was working. I like, I was like, oh, I'll get this turkey sandwich. It's pre-made. I can pick the cheese off. The cheese was like fucking melted into it. Then I went up to like Dunkin'. I was like, can I get, and they were like, we don't have that. I was like, can I get what? They they didn't have the bagel. They had no peanut butter. They had nothing. They had no ham. They literally had nothing. And I was like, okay. And then, so at one point I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to eat this Luna bar I have in my bag. And I was like, so annoyed with myself. I was like, why did you do that? What did I learn from this? I just like fucked up my own thing, but like, (laughs) why did you do that? But like, perfect. Why did you do that? Versus, okay, what did I learn from exactly. this? Exactly. I'm and never going to do that again. The, how you felt when you asked yourself that question versus, okay, how can I ask yourself a more productive question? Why did I do that? Right. What did I learn from it? Right. Even like the, the intonation of your voice is different. Literally. You can really sense the difference. Why did I do that? so right. You're what can so I learn right. from this? Yeah. Um, okay. I have two questions and then we're going to start wrapping this up. But I-, okay. I Given your experience in mm-hmm. the fitness industry, yes. um, I am curious. We've talked a little bit on the show in the past about our relationships with our bodies mm-hmm. and, and body image and how fitness should really be about like our health versus having that six pack and looking hot and shit, you know, like, yeah. you wanna, like feel good. But as we are, as you mentioned earlier, like it was pouring rain today and it's cold and it's chilly and like, you know, fall is here. Winter's around the corner. Winter is it coming. had me, yes. <laughs> it had me thinking about how there is this vicious cycle where I think specifically women, we like bust our butts in the gym to look hot to wear the bikini and then the fall comes and we're like ah I don't have to shave my legs I can stop working out like crazy only to then beat ourselves up when the spring comes around next year where then we like go crazy again I feel like people have this attachment to working out or working out harder when the outcome is who will see me and will I you know will I wear I'm gonna be you know, in these baggy clothes in the winter. So it doesn't really matter. I can have that extra fluff on me versus if I'm going to be in my two piece on vacation, I can't. And I think it just creates this really toxic mindset around like why we're working out and Mm. why we're taking care of our bodies. And I'm curious if you notice that as an instructor, if you notice that there are, you know, like 
come January, there's the New Year's resolution people that, you know, and I'm not hating on them because like whatever gets you in there, whatever motivates you, I think that's great. Yeah. Get, get, get in the gym or get in that class or whatever. But it's like, you'll see those upticks in popular times. But for for people who are married or tied to how hard they need to go at the calorie burn or the gym or whatever based on how people are seeing them like what would be your words of encouragement to make it just more of like why don't you just do a moderate amount of activity whatever your comfort level is like year round rather than having to go so hard one year or one half of the year versus lighter the other half yeah I personally don't necessarily feel that because I just feel like I'm on display Mm. all the time with what I do like I used to say like your my body's my business card yeah in a way like I work in fitness I've been in fitness I was a cheerleader in college like there's never been a point in my life where I had like an off season right yeah like literally I haven't had an off season and I couldn't tell you as long as you can remember like I could not tell you like eighth grade Wow. Maybe I, I've never, you know, whether it was like cheer, track, dance, mm-hmm. like I was always involved, college, cheer. I was always at the gym. Like it's it's been so much part of my life that I've never thought of it. I actually don't understand what people do if they don't work out. Like I'm like, what do you do with all your time? Like on the days <laughs> where I don't, I'm like, what the fuck do I do with myself? Yeah. And like that might be a whole another Pandora's box or whatever, but I do the things that make me feel good. Like I sometimes will drop into like a Barry's class and people are like, how do you go teach all those classes and then go do Barry's? I'm like, cause Barry's is for my mind. Like my mm. job is like, people sometimes don't understand the difference of like what I do is my job. It's not my workout. It's not where I am right. getting release or whatever. And like, don't get me wrong. There are those times where it is and it's awesome. And like the energy is perfect and yeah. whatever. But I have to do those things outside to then keep myself sane and also just feel good in my body. So for me, that looks a lot like cross training and things like that and and doing things I really don't want to do sometimes so that I don't get injured on the bike. But I think if I could pull anything from that, it's just like get figure out your routine like you are your routine mm-hmm. and that could go beyond fitness anything like you are your routine you are the people you surround yourself with all that stuff really starts to matter and if you can kind of master that where everything becomes a daily practice where it's not yo-yoing all around but it's just a constant in your life and something steady that you do and I'm not saying you have to go take soul cycle I'm not saying like if you hate cycling don't fucking do it yeah I just had a a girlfriend of mine, Alicia Pope, she's a Pilates girl in LA on my podcast. You hate Pilates? Don't go to Pilates. Like stop doing shit you don't like. Find what you do like because when you find what you like, you're going to do more of it and it's not going to feel like a struggle. It's not going to feel like strife. And if you're having this yo-yo mindset all the time, like I always say, if you have a shit mind, you're going to have a shit body, period. That's where it starts in your Mm -hmm. head. Yeah, I think you just have to to look at it as, you know, there's, other benefits outside of yeah. how your body looks. I mean, when you're in those moments or that that cycle of you're working out more more often, don't you notice how you feel mm-hmm. is greatly or vastly different than when you weren't? And it also you don't need to always challenge yourself to like the most intensive, you know, hour and a half workout. Even if all yeah. you can do is like a 30 minute walk that day, it's just 
whatever you can build into your routine that's attainable or manageable for you, I feel like it's it's stop focusing and, and tying it to your body and start yeah. thinking about your mental health. And you'll notice that that difference is enough to keep it going year round. Yeah. You know, I don't think that it needs to be like constantly putting that pressure on yourself of if I don't do this, I'm not going to look good. Like, well, how about how you feel? I also think like thinking like you can do different things in the seasons. Like that's really more like what's going on inside. There's mm -hmm. a deeper rooted thing going on there. Yeah. I mean, seasonal depression is like real for a lot of people yeah. too. And I think a lot, it's hard to get that motivation yeah. going. How do you find motivation? Like those times, I know you're saying before you felt like, these people are counting on me. Like I don't have a choice not to show up. Yeah, I don't have a choice. So that's like, that really helps pick a career where you don't have a fucking choice. <laughs> no, like, yeah, I mean, is it hard when it gets darker and it's cold and it's raining and it's all the things, but I always say 10 times, like my thing is like 10 times out of 10, you're always better off for having gone than not gone and wondering what you could have created, who you could have met and how that person could have changed the trajectory of your life if you had just gone. Mm -hmm. You never know who in the room it could have the opportunity or the thing or the connection. Like, And I'm not saying this is a transactional thing. I just mean it like that is life. And the more you show up, the more the things are going to fall into your lap and you're going to be like, how did I get here? And it's yeah. like, I know how you got here. You kept showing up even when it sucked, even when it's cold, when it was pitch black out, you still went. Yeah. And also I feel like no one's ever left the gym being like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, like yeah. it's so hard to peel yourself off the couch or to like make the time for no, like, it. I want to die. It. I want to straight up die some yeah. mornings. Like I, I said it the other day. I was like, it feels like you have to drag your bones here. Yes. But if I'm here and I can like just do it, like I said, not every day is going to be hundred percent, but if you're here and you're even at a 30% for you, that's so much better than putting your head at the pillow at the end of the night and being like, damn, I should have just went. Mm. Or like, damn, why didn't I go to that thing? And that goes for like, that goes back to confidence too, because yeah. you're building up this laundry list of this, this track record that proves to you all the times that you went when you didn't want to go. And it instills a different level of confidence in you when you show up. That was going to be my last question, baby girl. What? So if... Uh, the listeners take absolutely nothing away from this episode, which I can't believe oh, they no, <laughs> wouldn't. But to leave them with like one, I think like really important thing is if if they were having trouble with finding their most like authentic self or finding confidence, what would be your one piece of advice that you would like to offer them to help find that and to maintain that confidence in themselves and, and being the truest they can be to who they are? I think it's a series of something, what I basically just said, but keeping promises to yourself when you say you're going to do something, when you say you're going to show up, when you say whatever, and you show up and you do that, you're building, you're building it up even in some way, shape or form. And I think having a great support system, having good friends, people that build you up. And this gets really gnarly right now because if you're surrounding yourself by people that don't believe in you, that think your ideas are crazy or stupid, I always say, I love crazy because crazy fucking works. Yeah. And then it looks like having, like I call it the shedding in my program, the shedding of the friends. And as you grow up, people are gonna fall off and it sucks and it's sad and it's really lonely at the top and no one talks about it. It is 
desolate up there. And you have to just know in your heart, again, tying back to your why, like I know what I'm doing. I know I'm on the path. I have trust, not only myself, but in a greater power, if you're a believer, for me, I'm like, God, you got me, bud, because I need you yeah. today. <laughs> Whatever that is. But I, I think showing up over and over, not taking no for an answer, and really, and and just not holding back. I think the whole reason people hold back 99.9% of the time in their life is they're worried about what someone else thinks. Again, hot wiring your brain, mm. protecting you. Thank you, heart. Thank you, brain. Thank you for trying to keep me safe, my ego safe from what other people think. But in order to be the best version of me, I need to override you right now. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, this has been such a powerful episode. So I feel like I'm you like, uncovered so go? many. I know. I don't know how we got here, but we did. Thank you so much for coming so on. I could talk to you forever. This forever. is very important stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.